Welcome to Bible Study. Very happy to be with you again. My name is Nikrita and I'm your host. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Please uh, stay with us as we are about to look into the Bible again and learn uh, about uh, leadership and the importance of being a leader in uh, these days we live. It's a very interesting uh, topic today and please stay with us. Uh, but before that, I would like to just uh, welcome my panel today and I will... Um, I introduce uh, very briefly our panel here. Lydia, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank God to be here. Very grateful. Okay, and uh, Len, also very happy to have you with us. Uh, like always, uh, praise the Lord for uh, your time and your uh, contribution to this program. Thank you for the welcome and hello, listeners. And today uh, we have a bit of a, a smaller panel, I will say, uh, uh, comparing with some other times. Uh, Helen is uh, our facilitator uh, for today. And Helen, thank you very much for uh, coming on board and preparing the study for today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. I'm, I'm like you. I believe it's a very good study. And it's our last one, I believe, for this year. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully we'll all be here doing the same thing. Yes, Next and year, uh, the good Lord willing. while you just mentioned that, uh, I'd like to just bring it up a little bit. The next one which we will uh, approach, it's a very good uh, Bible study about Daniel. Yes. And I'm looking forward for that too, a very prophetic book too. Uh, but just uh, before we are um, giving the microphone to Helen, I would like to just have a word of prayer and uh, commit ourselves to God. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son and our Savior, to praise your name, to honor you, to thank you for everything what you do for us, Lord. Amen. We are here because of you, because you are the creator and sustainer of all things. And we are here also to represent you, Lord, and to learn at your feet and to prepare as one for your second coming, Jesus Christ, that Amen. will be ready to inherit what you have promised to each one of us eternal life. And please be with us as we look uh, into this uh, Bible study today, particularly in respect to how a leader should uh, uh, behave. And uh, we may learn that each one of us is a leader for you, Lord, in this world. And I pray that you will guide us, bless us with the Holy Spirit, and bless our listeners that we will learn today and apply in our lives uh, wonderful truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Just a thought came into my head. We're talking about leaders and leadership. And one thing I really appreciate about the Bible is it isn't sugar-coated. And let me explain that. God just doesn't give all the good, good things and talk about all the good points of people. He actually lays it on the line as what it is. And even in the genealogy, you'll notice that there are some there that we might question their reputation. But God sees something different. And so, yes, we are going to talk about the leaders in Israel, but we're going to talk about good and bad leaders. And hopefully we'll discover lessons that will help each one of us to be not only a better person, but a better leader and a better influence on others. And some people right now might think, oh, well, this isn't for me because I don't consider myself a leader at this specific time in my life. But I want to say, please hang in there, please listen with us, because we all have an influence with some people, if not all people we come in contact with. So therefore, this study is really applicable to every one of us, and I hope we will learn individual lessons from it. It is not the personal achievement that is the most important but it is the personal commitment to live for God that is. Achievements, my friend, are simply examples of what God can do through someone's life. And we've been looking at this for the last, what, 13 weeks? Mm. 13 weeks, Nehemiah and Ezra. And surely we have noticed what God has done in each of their lives. And if we look back on our own life for this year, I'm sure that we also can echo that. Here we have an example, Ezra and Nehemiah, both great leaders dedicated to God, fulfilling the task that God called them to do. I believe it was their love for God that inspired them, a desire to be faithful servants. And in fact, their faithfulness has been a central part of our study over the last few weeks and today. You know, Ezra achieved great things. He made a significant impact because he had the right starting place for his action and his life. And that was what? 
He studied <coughs> what we would call the Bible, and more particularly, he studied the law, Absolutely. the law of God. Yes, and not only that, he, he was determined to teach others, wasn't he? But he, he studied it seriously. He didn't skip over. He didn't run in for a takeaway meal. He sat down and had a full feast, didn't he, when he studied the Bible? And I like also when uh, we, we use words to describe something. It's important when you say he studied the Word of God. Because when you, when you think of that, it's something which comes from God, the word of God, it's, it's very uh, important, relevant. Mm. Uh, it's point. not just um, wisdom of man or uh, whatever, you know, philosophy or theories of this life. No, it's the word of God. And that was, I think, a, a good choice. Yeah. But not only did he study it, he also applied it, didn't he, mm. faithfully? And I think that is a double key there. You know, he taught others what he learned. So for me, he was a great model for anyone who wants to live for God. And then there was Nehemiah. He was the same, a man of action. He employed strategies to frustrate his enemies. His strategies, prayer, encouragement, guard, duty, consolidation. He motivated others. Well, we're going to go and have a look more at that. But panel, answer a question for me, please. Are all good leaders, especially in the Bible, but even today, are all good leaders perfect? No. Do you need to be perfect to be a good leader? Not necessarily. I think God is using everybody because nobody is perfect in this sinful world. Everybody, we have defects, we have weaknesses, so we have to work out there in uh, order uh, with being in uh, in contact with the Lord to overcome these uh, weaknesses and uh, temptations and sinful desires that is implemented in our own entire hu human beings because we are living in a sinful world. That's a great answer, Lydia. Thank you. So really, it boils down, we, we have a choice, don't we? Yes, We correct. can choose to give it to God and get him to ask him to lead us and guide us, yep. or we can choose to walk the other way. Len, you wanted to say something. Helen, you're referring to Ezra. Ezra basically took on a um, advisory role, a sort of a teaching priestly type role and he studied the law of the Lord. Now there may be some listeners thinking well what good would that do? When you study the law of the Lord and you understand the principles of the Ten Commandments they're all about honouring God and honouring other people. It's a protection of human rights and not putting yourself first and I believe that these are marks of a good leader. And here in the case of Ezra, it was defined through his studying and understanding and teaching the Ten Commandments or the law, as it was understood back then. And uh, if I think about leaders in this modern times, those who are classed as good leaders are interested in the welfare of the people they lead and not their own welfare. That's a very, very good point, and we're going to see that come through as we study some of these leaders in the, in the Bible. But, you know, thank you for bringing that up. The temptation, of course, is to have a political discussion, but we're actually not going to do that. We want the Bible to talk for itself. But human beings, good and evil, right and wrong, and we're going to look at both. Yes, Nick, you want to say yeah, something? Yeah, I was just going to just come back to the previous question which you asked uh, Helen if are all good leaders perfect I will also want to put a, maybe a question a little bit different are all leaders good because you know um, there are leaders and leaders as Len you mentioned good leaders have uh, different uh, interests and approach um, they are leaders for themselves sometimes, you know, and um, there is a saying, if you want to really know a person, put it in a leadership and you'll see who he is, if you really want to, to know uh, the person. But in terms of if, if good leaders are perfect, now we are uh, looking today for uh, quite a, a good range of leaders, you know, and there are good leaders, considering the Bible, and still not perfect. But that's not the, um, probably the focus for us today, if we are perfect or not, because uh, uh, we cannot be perfect uh, uh, on this earth. Uh, just by the grace of God, we are, uh, keep going, and uh, if we give our lives to God, we'll become more and more 
like him, like God. And even Jesus himself, when he was approached, good teacher, he responded very interestingly, why are you calling me good? It's only one good, mm. which is God. And was referring very nicely referring to God that whatever we do in this life, if we do good, is because of knowing God. Well, the word good is actually a word that um, comes from the word God. Mm. For example, good morning means God be with you this morning. Mm. So God and good are basically synonymous. Mm. A good leader, therefore, will be, if you like, a godly leader and exhibit some of the characteristics of God. Thank you for that. Very worthwhile comments coming out this morning and I know you're going to enjoy the rest of the study as we go through because we want to look at the influence that a few of the Bible leaders had in their time. And so we're going to see what kind of examples of leadership they showed and why. So I'm going to ask each of the panel members to deal with one of these people to either summarise their life or read to us from Scripture just to let us know, and we can see from it there whether they were good or bad, but also what it was that showed up in their leadership and what can we learn from it. Um, Len, how about you kick us off? All right. Well, I want to talk about Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of probably the second favourite king of Israel up to this time. His father's name was Solomon. So Solomon died and Rehoboam took the throne. And wisely, he called in his counsellors to ask them how he should rule. Well, that was point one. Wisely, he called in his counsellors. Yes, continue. He wisely did this. He didn't act entirely on his own. And so, first of all, he called in the elderly advisers who had previously been advisers to his father, King Solomon. How should I rule was his big question. And I'll read it from the Bible. It's from 1 Kings 12, and I'm reading from verse 6. How would you advise me to answer these people, he asked. Good question. And these advisers replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. This was a, a beautiful answer. He was showing that a leader is actually to be a servant to the people he leads. Well, Rehoboam didn't like that. I think he was more interested in himself. He rejected the advice of the elderly advisers, and then he called in some younger people. And he said, What is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, Lighten the the yoke your father put upon us? The people were suffering under heavy taxation and Rehoboam was obviously considering this. The elderly advisor said, yes, back off. Make it easier for them. The younger younger advisor said, well, no. And I'm reading now from verse 10. The young men who'd grown up with him replied, tell these people who have said to you, your father put a heavy, heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Tell them, my little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. How horrid. So he didn't lighten the taxation load that was on the people. He increased it. Now what actually happened? Because of this, the people were most unhappy. Here we have a new king, new opportunity, and instead of making life more pleasant and easy for them, he made it harder. And this was actually the beginning of the breakup of the Israelite nation. Mm. So what would you consider? Would you consider that he was a good or bad leader? He was a bad leader because he was more interested in self and wealth rather than a happy kingdom. Okay, yes, Nick, thank you. And again, uh, considering that what that means to be good, um, and we discussed that uh, a bit earlier, but I want to just backtrack a little bit that story because uh, there are some elements here which really contributed maybe to his, uh, his approach. For example, during his, his father, you know, as a king, Solomon, yeah, rulership was very strong, was one of the l- longest uh, peaceful time in, in Israel. 
but they were heavily subdued, if you like, you know, people of Israel to the monarchy, to speak so. And one of the men who was given by God prophecy, which was Jeroboam, he fled during this reign of Solomon in Egypt. And when Solomon died and Roboham came to take the throne, this man came back and he came with the people to ask Roboam, you know, that uh, they will unite together and do something good. And that was one of the questions to, uh, to ease, if you like, what his father was uh, uh, putting on, uh, on the people. And here then kick, kicks in how Roboam was asking for advice. But, but most of all, in my opinion, he, he didn't have a very good relationship with God to really ask that advice from God as his father Solomon did at the beginning. And because of that, he was acting according with the, whatever, you know, the peer pressure, if you like. He, yeah, he kindly, I mean, he asked the elderly people who were with his father also and the advisors of his father. But he was more inclined to rule, if you like, in a new way, in a new style, in a new type, you know, with his young friends. And, and when he asked the advice from the young ones, and this is one thing which I like to make an application for today, because we see the excitement and the willingness of the young people, but sometimes they can hit the brick wall just but not learning from the past and take some good advice from the people who have some experience in life. That is very well worth thinking about. Thank you, Nick. So really, summary, he was bad, he was selfish, self-centered, and predominantly he followed the wrong counsel. Mm. Really, he should have gone to God first for the counsel, shouldn't he? Absolutely. Okay, Nick, um, I want to bring you in again, please. Can Mm. you tell us about someone in Acts, I think it's Acts 15? Yes, um, now we're moving from the Old Testament into the New Testament and you may think, okay, this is uh, totally a different uh, time and uh, era, but you know, man is still uh, led by the same uh, weaknesses sometimes. There is a problem here in the new apostolical church where, um, you know, people are coming uh, to know uh, Christ, you know, to follow uh, with with the disciples, but there are some problems which uh, they were confronted with. And one of the problems in this uh, um, context is the circumcision. And, uh, you know, they, uh, there was a bit of pressure on, uh, on the people uh, who follow Jesus that if they are not uh, circumcised or not coming from a, a Jewish uh, background, they should be circumcised. And uh, there was a bit of of conflict. But anyway, they had a very good, uh, again, uh, approach. They said, okay, let's talk to the leaders. Let's go to Jerusalem and talk to the leaders and to see what we can do in this regard. And I'm just going to read a few verses from uh, chapter uh, 15, starting with verse 7. It says here, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did it to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear it. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Very interesting thing here because, uh, you know, the Jewish people, they were very, how to call that, uh, very... Exclusive. Exclusive. That was the word which I was thinking of, Len. Thank you for that. They were insular. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but now, to the example of Jesus Christ and how the disciples learn that they were accepted, you know, in, uh, even though they, they were not perfect, as we talked at the beginning, you know, and God opened the door for all people to be saved. And that actually was in the first place the role of the nation of Israel to be a light for, for the world. And here, 
Peter, because we're talking about leadership. Now, Jesus spoke to Peter in various occasions and even entrusted him as a leader uh, of this new, new church, a new group. And lead, uh, Peter is uh, acting on that uh, ground and uh, stood up, as it says the, the verse 7. He stood up and he, he boldly reminded the people what was the teaching of Jesus Christ. Because Len, earlier you mentioned something which really, really impresses me, you know, because you said that there are leaders, we, some leaders, if are led by the by God or by good intention, they do everything what it's needed for the people. But some other leaders, they will do just what it's important for them. And we see here in Peter uh, a very good example, I would say. Thank you, Nick. Well, actually, although Peter was mentioned specifically, there was a leadership group that Peter, Peter actually addressed. And this leadership group must also be congratulated, in my opinion, mm because they accepted Peter's advice. They could see that the Holy Spirit had led Peter, that the gospel had gone, at least initially, to some of the Gentiles, and the Spirit of God led these people to make a, a declaration that the Gentile people who had come into Christianity would not be burdened with unnecessary things, mm. i.e., in this case, circumcision. Mm. And so the leadership group, it was more of a democratic-type group, also did what was good for the people. Mm. And I think this was highly responsible for the rapid spread of the gospel because we read later on where Paul writes in some of his um, books like Galatians and so on, this issue of these Judaizers who had become Christians were insisting that circumcision be compulsory. Enforced. Mm -hmm. However, because it was not compulsory, I believe that the gospel spread quickly. If it had been compulsory, I don't think we would have seen the rapid spread like occurred. Mm. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Okay, just summing up, Peter... Uh, let me just clarify one thing here. I said a good leader or a bad leader. Let me just change the wording there to say good leadership or bad leadership rather than referring to themselves because it's the leadership we're talking about. It's the influence. Mm. So for me, Peter, he showed good leadership and Nick, you brought it out. He wasn't afraid to stand up for God and for others. And I, I like the way you put it too as well, Len. We're going to move on to another one, but I'm just going to counsel the panel just a little bit. Be aware of the time, guys. Mm. Some of these we could talk about for a long, 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 and we've gone, only done a couple. So if we can shorten it a little bit, that would be good. But mention the most important things. <laughs> Thanks, Len. <laughs> well, you want me to talk about Josiah. Thank you. Also a king, mm -hmm. a king of Judah. The kingdom had broken up under Rehoboam and an alternate king of Israel was Jeroboam. Josiah became a new king. He was young. And I notice in Second Kings chapter 23 what he did. And I'm going to read from verse 1. Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. Good move. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, all the people from the least to the greatest. Another good move. And then he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, regulations and decrees with all his heart and all his soul thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Now, here I'm going to stop, not stop talking, but stop <laughs> reading. What Josiah did was very, very commendable. And the first thing he did was to consult the word of the Lord, which teaches about equality for people, unlike Rehoboam, who before didn't consult with the people, didn't consult the word of the Lord, he just went ahead on the advice of the young counsellors who got it all wrong. So in reading the word of the Lord and the law of the Lord, he established that 
his uh, kingship was going to be such where he would be a good ruler with the interests of the people in mind. And he was a good ruler, but he didn't just stop there. He gave an example to the people. He himself was a good example. He promised to keep the words of the the uh, covenant, and he didn't stop there either. He All the idol worship places and all the idol worship, he eliminated it out of the kingdom. And so the people rejoiced that they lived in a kingdom where the king was interested in the welfare of the people, mm-hmm. spiritual and physical. Excellent. Thank you, Lynn, very, very much. A very interesting story. Um, listeners, if you wish to go and read about it in 2 Kings 23, 1-10. Josiah, he really, I would say, he, he showed some very good examples. And, Lynn, you brought them out. You showed that, first of all, he called the people together, the leaders, the people, so there was transparency there. He led by word and action. And how he was able to do that is because he gave his heart to the Lord, he followed God's word, and he shared it with the people. So he was certainly a very good example of good leadership. But now, come on, guys, we've had all the guys here. Surely there's got to be a woman in the Bible. Lydia, is there a woman there we can talk about? Yes, we have Deborah. Oh, thank you. So I would like to say a few words about Deborah. Deborah was a prophetess. We can find a little bit of information about her in Judges chapter 4. So Deborah was the wife of Lapidoch in verse 4. And she was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. So here in this situation... She was a judge, so I think she was a very intelligent woman, mm. and also she was a woman of prayer. In this case, uh, we observe that the Israelites did evil again in, in the eyes of God, and uh, God led them to be in the hands of a king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor, and the commander of this uh, uh, army was Sisera, and... Um, when she saw that uh, uh, the Israelites had to battle this king again, she was inspired by the Lord and she was sent to for uh, Barak, son of Abinoam, to go and lead the army of Israelites to fight against this king of Canaan. Very inspired by the Lord, and she said to Barak, The Lord, the God of Israel, command you, go! Take with you 10,000 men of Nephtali and Zebulun and lead the way to Mount Tabor. And she says, I will lure Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. But Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Very well, Deborah said. She w- and she went in front of the line of the battle with, with, with the army. And she was Joan of Arc, doesn't she? Yes. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, in, in fighting time, she was, uh, she showed this quality of persever- perseverance and courage. And uh, she encouraged Barak said, Go, this is the day of the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went to uh, into the battle, and uh, the Lord gave them victory in, in that day. Mm. Mm. So I do mm. observe here, in this case with Deborah, the quality of a, of a godly leader. She was uh, a person of... Like all the other leaders, she was a person of the of the book of God. She was a, a person uh, of prayer, and uh, she also was a, a, a leader of with vision because she observed the outcome of the the battle and she encouraged. So leaders cast vision. 
because of their knowledge of God and his teachings and their personal intimate rela relationship with him. As, and as I mentioned before, good leaders encourage others to do uh, the work of God and courageously move forward. Mm. Leaders are persevering and then determined in spite of the difficulties and hindrances of life of Deborah was. And she's an inspiring woman, uh, an example for me. Well, thank you so much. That mm. was excellent. Yeah. So we can all agree that she certainly was a good leader. Absolutely. Yes. Wisdom yes. from God. And also she took charge as God directed. So she had the courage that you mentioned, okay. um, an encourager and a true leader who was concerned for others. So thank you so much, Lydia. I'd just like yeah. to point out a couple of things uh, here with uh, Deborah. I believe very important uh, for us to, to pick on, on those qualities. First of all, she knew her role. Yes. She was a woman in Israel, and back in those days, you know, men w were uh, appointed, you know, and uh, uh, they were leaders, you know, and they, they were warriors and so on and so forth. But as uh, was mentioned here, uh, doesn't mean that women, they don't have uh, a role to play in God's uh, vineyard, to say so, in God's plan. But this woman, she knew her role, and she said to Barak, if I will go... I will get the... Someone else will have the... Accolades. The, yes. the, exactly. the accolades, as yeah. you said. But if you go, then I will back you up, you know. I will uh, be with you, but you should go. Get those men, you know. Get those 10,000 men and go and fight against because God is giving this enemy in your hands. Now, she has a vision, as Lydia just pointed out here. And, you know, the Bible says that uh, where is a lack of vision, people perish. And this was the situation here. She believed in God. She had a relationship with God. And she, she was able to delegate mm. and to see that God can have even a, a greater influence, if you like, in God's people by she pulling back a bit and give the, the lead, if you like, to Barak, which was uh, um, a leader also in Israel. He knew Barak about her and how trustworthy she is and and he said I'm going but if you come with me and that was a good thing I believe mm. very good thing yeah, I really like the story and uh, we can go again again but I remember Helen what you just said to keep it short and I probably <laughs> will just stop here <laughs> I was tempted to say you know how interesting it is that Barak saw something in um, Deborah that he didn't have in himself uh, look, that's just such. We could dwell just on her story, mm. not just because she's a woman, <laughs> but we could dwell on her story for a long time. There are a lot of good things in that story. Again, listeners, if you want to read it, Judges 4 1 to 16. But we're going to move on. Um, going back to a man this time, and I just want to quickly talk about this man. It's found in 1 Kings 21 1 to 16, and his name was Ahab. Now, as soon as I think of Ahab, I think, well, here was a man that had everything he could want. He was a king also. Um, but he was influenced, not like Rehoboam, influenced by the young. He was influenced by a woman. Is that right, guys? Mm -hmm. You it's are doing right. very yeah. well. Isabel. <laughs> yes. I was expecting a retort. Yes, yes, he was. That's there's a classic example of what we talked about a week or two ago about intermarriage with people that didn't believe mm -hmm. in God. And here is one that was very, very clear. So we we look at Ahab in one Kings twenty one one to sixteen. He had just gone through a time where he had done something wrong, and um, he was chastised for it. He God had told him something and to do and he didn't do it so if you can I, I visualize Ahab as being very moody I visualize him as pouting about it you know he was angry because you know he'd been pointed out and sometimes we're a bit like that you know we don't like to hear that there's something there's a flaw in our makeup that somebody else has picked up but I think it's important to to think about that and Len before I go on you want to say something yes I don't know if you've ever heard the song called Ahab the Arab. Yes, <laughs> it's been going uh, through my head. <laughs> well, Ahab and Jezebel are not amongst the most popular names people give their children. Mm, correct. <laughs> because of their selfishness, their evil in their lives, yes. and the legacy 
that they pass on is not a good legacy. Mm. It's bad. They were selfish. They were idol worshippers. They were the opposite to those kings of Israel and those leaders in society who put God first, people second, themselves third. Yes, that's so true. Thank you, Lynn. Certainly bad, wicked, selfish, self-centred, and Ahab made the mistake of trusting evil Jezebel, which led, sadly, to a man's murder, a man by the name of Naboth, and it was mentioned in this reading, and how he had a vineyard very close to where, where Ahab wanted it. And he was self-centered and selfish, and he was angry, and he was moody. And when Jezebel found out what was wrong was that Naboth wouldn't sell his land, because it was an inheritance, of course. And um, Jezebel then conspired in her evil, wicked ways to commit murder. And then Ahab was allowed to get the field. You know, it shows a weakness in this man for a start. But he certainly was not of good leadership material. Now, I see that, we say this every week, time is flying. And it does seem to fly. But um, going to jump again, um, Nick, we've got another a group together here. Yeah, I mean, we, we are continuing on, on the same uh, yes. person, uh, Ahab. Because I believe Ahab played a very big role in uh, Israel uh, um, history, as David played, for example, mm. or rather was mm. for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. And this king, it, interesting, what I would like to point out here, Helen, in uh, chapter 15, it's talking about him that he was a bad king who did wrong in the sight of God, and he said that he walked in the way of his father and in his sin by which he had made Israel sin. Very interesting that leaders are uh, a catalyst, if you like, for uh, good or for bad. Mm. And in this case, you know, the whole Israel was influenced by this king. But I would like to go back to his father a little bit. His father, you know, was one of those men who had good intentions. Do you remember that he came to, to see Roboam and, uh, and to work together to have a, a, a solid kingdom. But anyway, after uh, we shared today that uh, Roboam took the wrong advice and uh, the kingdom split there, you know, from Judah and Israel uh, forever, actually. They, they were just uh, going separate ways. And this man, Ahab, was one of the sons of, uh, of this king, uh, Jeroboam. And uh, he learned from his father. And I would like to say something here. Even though his father had good intentions at the beginning, he went in the wrong way. The, the book of Kings, both First Kings and Second Kings, are one of my favorites in the Bible. Also. And I'll encourage everyone to go and look because you'll get a very good history uh, background there. But you know, Roboam, even though had good intention, and there is that saying, the road to destruction it's paved with good intentions doesn't mean that if you have good intention you may have good endings you need to really give yourself to God and that was one of the things which his father didn't give his heart to God and the results was in his son too and here it's a, a, a lesson to learn each one of us here we are leaders we are parents we are you know whatever we have a responsibility, big responsibility in terms of how we behave because we will be looked upon, you know, people can copy us or even form their uh, ideology or their uh, um, way of, of being. It's very important, but most of all, we should follow God. That's the um, example and twice actually in chapter 15 uh, talking about Ahab being a bad ruler and uh, doing bad in the sight of God and following in the steps of his father. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. I, I guess there are one, one thing keeps jumping out at me is the choices that we make, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The choices. He became, his motives were good, but um, that we're talking about Jeroboam, but he was evil and wicked in the end. And the sons of Jeroboam followed their father. Now, we don't have to. I know some people say, oh, you know, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can make choices. I know people whose fathers have been very, very um, strong alcoholics, 
and they have chosen never to to become like their father. Mm. And while they keep that resolution and while they are trusting God, they've been fine. But I know someone else who made that and they're just as drunk as their father. So we have those choices, but there are influences all the way. Uh, <laughs> we have another king. This is a king of Judah at this mm-hmm. time. This is after the kingdom had split. As uh, Nick previously mentioned, it was split into ten tribes in Israel and two tribes in Judah. The king was Jehoahaz, and I find it very interesting, and I'm seeing this pattern emerging, that those kings who observed and followed the word of the Lord and the commandments of the Lord were by and large good kings, and those who rejected the commands and the uh, Ten Commandments that the Lord had given were considered bad kings. In Second Kings 13 it says about Jehoahaz that he reigned 17 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord by following the sins of Jeroboam son of Nebat which had caused Israel to commit and he did not turn away from them. If you wonder what these things are you can refer back to First Kings chapter 12 and um, the sins that Jeroboam had done, he, in order to try to keep the kingdoms separate, he set up two golden calves, idols, for the people to worship. And he said to the people, these are your gods. Mm-hmm. So Jehoahaz followed this way, and he did not prosper. Eventually he did turn to the Lord for help. But he did not prosper, and the nation didn't prosper. And I think this is a pattern which has been observed since then, where a leader who follows the principles that God has laid down, which after all are principles of human rights and goodness to others, kingdoms prosper. If they just follow their own selfish Mm. ways, they don't. So Jehoahaz followed the wrong way and he was considered an evil king mm. I'm, I'm just fascinating, fascinated listening to you guys with the history lessons here yeah we can learn so much we, we could have a segment mm. just on history absolutely <laughs> uh, just very quickly on, um, on this aspect of uh, following God and uh, keep his commandments uh, and we have that, uh, this example of Judah and Israel. And as Len pointed out that uh, uh, Jeroboam uh, decided to make those two caps there and even say, these are your gods now, your god, you know. Even though this was a stronger uh, kingdom, like with ten tribes, and become uh, wicked and wicked in the eyes of the Lord, the other two tribes, Judah, even though they started badly, with uh, Rabbam, you know, with his decisions, but God was still looking upon them because they were still following God's advice, if you like, and plan. And I'd like to just draw a lesson here for us today and for Christendom today. There are people who set or put in place things on their own authority, man's power, man's authority. And I'm not sure if I'm going to necessarily name the, those powers, but there are people who, with their authority, says we're changing what God was uh, setting up for, for humankind. And they even changed the law of God. And in the Bible, it's written that they will come and, you know, Antichrist, you know, and which is from the, from the Christendom, and change the times and the laws. And then you see the results. As we look in history now, we see the, the, the results of when people doing that. We should look at us today and be responsible as good Christians, good children of God, that we should go back to the Word of God, to the Bible, to learn from there what's the will of God rather than the tradition of man. Because unfortunately, most of the people in Christendom, they're following a tradition of man. And no wonder that you you look uh, around and you see all the bad things happening in the among uh, Christians because we're talking here about Israel, both parties, part of Israel, you know, and still there is a parallel here, good and bad, among those people who are considered God's people. Can I say this here, Nick? I believe that we are leaders in our communities, 
And one of the requirements for us is to follow the laws of God. And uh, I believe we here in this panel today are people who do uh, keep God's laws and are by example to other people, leaders through that. Lydia, can we just turn over to the New Testament again, please? Because um, I, I, I just want to bring the New Testament in again. In John eleven forty six to 53, could you summarize for us, please? So in John uh, chapter 11, starting with verse 45, we have here the chapter of the plot to kill Jesus. So here there is are the chief priests and the Pharisees where they called a meeting of the Sanhedrin to plot to kill Jesus. And um, one of them, who was uh, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, he observed and he said to all of them that um, in verse 49, you know nothing at all about him. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. So he did not say this on his own, but as a high priest that year he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So I observe here that Caiaphas, um, yeah, we observe here the pride of the Jewish leaders uh, in this situation of uh, comploting to kill Jesus. Mm. And and again, here you, you, uh, we're talking about leaders, you know, and as Jesus said, I came to my people and they received me not, you know, and how important it is for the leadership to stand firm and boldly for God as Nehemiah and Ezra did in their time, even though it was uh, uh, at that time uh, forming again uh, the nation of Israel, just trying to come together again. Um, and uh, because all of this study for us for the last few months, we are focusing on uh, Nehemiah and Ezra and how important it is when people not with the very big caliber like uh, other kings of Israel, people more probably more modest, let's say, but if you trust in God, you are considered a good, good leader with a great impact for uh, uh, God's plan. Thank you, Nick. Uh, you, we mentioned about the pride, a part of pride. The middle letter of pride is I, which, of course, is referring to yourselves, isn't it? It's a, mm. it's a sin. It's mm. a sin. But when you look at Jesus, he came, he came down lower than the angels, he says, doesn't he? He humbled himself, and we've got a great example there. And, of course, Ezra and Nehemiah, you've mentioned them, they also showed great humility in what they were doing. Okay, lessons for us through all that. As our influence has the potential to bring down people, down or up spiritually, we need to be careful. Mm -hmm. And as Nick and um, Len and Lydia have all said, focus on God and the Word. Just very quickly, let's go back to Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, Nick, Nehemiah 4, can you just show us how Nehemiah showed courage? What gave him the courage? Just in one yeah. short sentence. Yeah, absolutely. And that's because yeah. I mentioned just before yes. about uh, yes. Nehemiah and Ezra. But in this case, you know, even though he uh, faced great opposition, uh, you know, from some of the neighbors, uh, uh, Nehemiah uh, showed courage because he knew that God uh, is leading. He had an experience with God. And how he uh, managed this um, adversity, you know, from the neighborhood was because he was prepared. He was connected with God uh, through prayer, to consecration. And uh, he boldly stood up for uh, for the Lord. Among uh, these people, for example, uh, we have names like uh, uh, Tobia and uh, Sam, Sam Ballot, uh, men who really troubled uh, Israel at that time. Thank you, Nick. Also, I would like to say here that Nehemiah was a person of insight and uh, he was a leader uh, that uh, he could discern the motives of people and understood people's motives and detected the tactics of his enemies who intended to harm, frighten or even kill uh, and discredit or intimidate uh, him and other people in the time of rebuilding the walls and, uh, and the Jerusalem. 
and uh, also he he was a very good listener. He listened to the complaints of the people and uh, also he acted accordingly uh, on their behalf. And also Ezra and Nehemiah listened to God's people and gave godly advice. Thank you. It's been a great discussion today, but I think there's a very important point we need to bring out here. We've talked about faith and trusting God and what have you, but we also talked about the fact that these men that the, and showed good leadership just didn't have faith. They had the action to go along with it. Now, Len, some people would say faith is all we need, and yet we read in James 2.18, it talks about faith and works. Do we have a works religion here, or, or what's the story? James is addressing the tension there exists between faith and works. As you said, some people say, I have faith. But how do you know you have faith unless you can test it? Faith is tested by doing something. You say, I have faith in God, he will see me through, but you don't provide a test for it. How do you know? Mm-hmm. You don't know. So when you put yourself on the line and say, I trust in God, that's faith, and you you step out of your comfort zone to do something, then you're actually uh, providing opportunity for God to work. So the works part of faith here is allowing God to work through you. Now, I realise there are many colours that I can uh, we could talk about with regard to this text, but I think in context of what we're talking about today, those leaders who had faith in God, trusted in him, trusted in his word, they did something about it. And that, to me, is the important thing. It's all very well to say, I have faith, God, I, I trust God, but you don't do anything about it. How do you know? You mm. don't know. That's a very good way of putting it. Then, you know, James says, faith without works is dead. Death. You know, and to me, faith is, yes, we do need the faith of Jesus, absolutely. But the outcome should be flow on from that the works it's not a works religion it's a faith religion there is an important section that i wanted lydia to share with us could you do that with us please great leaders like these men that we talked about it so ezra and nehemiah they had a goal they had a purpose for living that drives their very action it could be said that both ezra and nehemiah had a purpose in life they had a vision of where they wanted the people of God to be. And then they put everything into a- accomplishing the goal. Ezra did this through studying the scriptures and teaching people the word. Nehemiah instead encouraged the people to do what was right and to stand up boldly for God. But both men wanted to see uh, restore Jerusalem, but not just a material restoration. They also wanted to see a revival and a reformation in the spiritual lives of its inhabitants. That is why they corrected, reproved, and sometimes demanded a certain course of action. Great leaders believe in something greater than the ordinary and the mediocre. Ezra Mm. and Nehemiah believed in a loving, powerful God, a God who could do miracles, and they wanted everyone to have a deep connection with him. Can I just say this? We're talking about Ezra. Ezra was the, the leader of the first wave of settlers who went back to start rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. In Ezra chapter 8, uh, Ezra, he's saying something here. He said in verse 22, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of God is on everyone who looks to him. Now, he didn't ask for soldiers to go with him, but do you realize that the value, the very lowest value of what they took with them was was $250 million worth of precious metal and articles. So was he foolish in not hap- asking for well, help? Well, some people might say that, but I believe he, pre- he had faith in God right. 
and God protected them from bandits on the way because it would have been a, a tremendous haul for bandits to steal that money. They'd yeah, be laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. We had uh, an, another example, Nehemiah, who accepted or asked for a escort on his way to Jerusalem from, uh, from the king. And if you compare these things who was foolish or who was uh, brave, uh, you have to choose in between one or the <laughs> other. But I believe both of them, they were brave uh, men of God, and they knew exactly how to utilize the circumstances. And in this case, Ezra, with all the preparation, you know, he, he was moved by God to show to the king that the God of Israel is the one who, who yes. protects and takes care. And Nehemiah, the same thing, even though he, he was uh, appointed with, a, with an escort, uh, he he showed to the king great um, uh, example of uh, leadership and trust in God. Both of these men, yeah. they were not foolish. They were uh, very wise men, thank I would you, say. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Let me just close up here. Um, I think both of these men were not foolish because both of them walked with God. I believe both of them were inspired by God and they followed God. And, you know, Nehemiah, Ezra, all these people, they well, especially Nehemiah and Ezra, we studied all, all this 13 weeks. There was a driving force behind both of them. Two great leaders, a driving force, and that was prayer. Mm. And, you, panel, you know how I feel about prayer and what have you. And, and, and I looked at this and I thought there are eight times in the book that we read that Nehemiah prayed spontaneously. It was a habit, a good habit. Now, we need to have that habit don't we but you know sometimes too often we pray glibly you know superficially mm. you know oh lord help me find a parking spot mm. you know help me through these lights whatever whatever but serious prayer requires concentration and these men and these leaders that were good leaders showed us those things we haven't got time for me to share a list but i i sat down and wrote a list of the leadership qualities that we need have today i came up with 26 i'd like to challenge you panel and listeners to sit down after the studies that we've had and write down go through the alphabet and write down what you believe a good leader is from our studies i think you're going to learn many many things by just doing that and my friends it is time to look at our influence our habits especially in study and prayer but just consider that we do influence people every time we speak every time we work you know we need to walk the walk but also talk the talk but we need to walk the walk Thanks. And Helen, uh, I know you you are aware that uh, we are over time and you want to close up, but I would like to, even though you said about the uh, 26 or so, um, you know, points which you are to draw about leadership, I'd like to mention a few. I was thinking of 10 to look in uh, the qualities of leaders, and I'll just mention a few of them. A leader should be a person of the book to know the word of God, should be a prayer warrior, should be a visionary, as we talked about uh, Deborah, uh, should live by example, and uh, should distribute responsibilities, like okay. we learn about mm-hmm. Moses and uh, in his, his time. Also, um, should be a person of perseverance mm-hmm. and courage, and should learn how to provide space for other people to come in the picture, you know, and contribute. Leaders are also people of insight, and leaders are people who fear God. Well, my my 26 has just gone up to 30. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you very much, Nick. Maybe one of your listeners might find more and send us in. Absolutely. There's a challenge for everybody. But I think these these studies have just been absolutely, oh, look, I've just loved every one of them. Learned so much, and I hope and trust that the listeners have as well. And not just learn, but to apply them to our lives. So I'd just like to um, bless all the people. I'd like to say thank you, panel. Been a great panel to work with. I and you know I just look forward to these every week. As and I hope th- you do. And thank you so very much for all of you being part of these uh, studies. You know, over three months, mm-hmm. uh, great studies, uh, interesting books. Not uh, very often people are looking into these no. uh, books. Um, now, most popular one will be starting from next year in Daniel, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, looking forward for uh, those studies too. Probably just time for us to close with prayer now. And yes. Lija, if you could uh, lead you. us in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, thank you so much for this 
great leadership in a fragile human condition and the examples of them and the lessons that we learn from them about this godly and faithful leadership from this book that we studied in past time, mm. Ezra and Nehemiah. Father, please um, help us to apply in our lives these qualities of leadership to be also people of the book, to be transformed in thinking, revival, and transformation. Mm. Help us, Father, to have your humility and perseverance and prayers, to be visionaries and um, also um, to be examples with those around us, to be distributors of responsibilities and to encourage, to move fo forward and to empower people around us that they are in different uh, struggles and circumstances of our lives. Father, please help us and bless us with your Holy Spirit to stay connected with you and your word, to be full of life, to be new creations and ambassadors of Christ in our lives. Mm. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.